If you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we kicked off a series in this new year called Against the Grain. In the series, we've acknowledged that we all have longings and desires for what we would like our lives to look like, for who we would like to be and how we would like to live differently. When a new year begins, it provides us with a fresh start. It's a great time to reorient ourselves and refocus on the things that are most important. In New Denver, we organizationally have some specific longings for what we would like our church to be like. These are our most closely held convictions. We call them our core values. And these aren't just some nice words to hang on the wall or something for the pastors and elders to live by. The church isn't just a building or an organization. It's the people in it. So for any person who desires to make New Denver Church their faith community, we invite them to adopt these values for themselves. If you were paying close attention in the child dedication, you may have noticed that our five core values are the five things that these parents committed to embracing and living out in their homes in hopes that they would be able to pass them down to their children. Our values are the things that we want to be pursuing, but we acknowledge that they're sometimes hard to pursue. Sometimes it feels like pursuing the things we really want is an uphill battle, especially when the things we most deeply desire and value go against the grain of the culture that we're living in. It's so helpful when we're going against the grain to have a community of people to go against the grain with. It's hard to go against the grain by ourselves. You can try, but you probably won't be successful for very long. So when we come together as a church and we say, these are our five values, Let's go against the grain in these areas together. It becomes much more possible to actually live this way. The three values that we've talked about so far this month are community, practices, and mission. And today we're adding a fourth to the mix, the value of presence. Here's how we describe our value of presence. God is at work in every place, relationship, and circumstance we find ourselves in. But busyness and distractions often fill our lives We partner best with God when we are fully present to the people and opportunities around us and the voice of the Spirit leading us. Our orienting question for this value is this, are we present to the Spirit's work in our lives? I think sometimes when we talk about the value of presence, we jump too quickly to being present with other people. Being present with people is a good thing, a a really good thing. It's even a tiny part of this value in the description we say we partner best with God when we are fully present to the people and opportunities around us. So yes, let's not stop being present with people. Let's put down our phones and give our full attention. Let's listen well, ask good questions, enjoy the little moments. Let's rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Let's be present to the people that God has placed in our lives. That's all I'm going to say about being present with people today because this value is ultimately not about being present with people. It's about being present with God. Let's go back to the beginning of our description. God is at work in every place, relationship, and circumstance we find ourselves in. God's at work all the time, everywhere. He's always up to something. We believe that God wants to be with us, that he wants to speak to us, that he wants to teach us from his word and speak into the situations and relationships in our lives. When we're present to him, when we're attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit leading us, we can best partner in the work he's doing in our lives and in the world. That's how we at New Denver describe presence. But I think an important question to consider is how does the Bible talk about presence? How does the Bible describe being present to and with God. 
If I had to sum up in one word what it's like to be in God's presence according to Scripture, for most of the Bible, I would say the word is scary. This goes all the way back to the first story in the Bible of humans being present with God. When we read about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, at first it's not scary. At the beginning, we read that they are physically present with God, taking walks with him through the garden in the cool of the day. It's actually really picturesque and perfect for like two seconds. (laughs) Then they disobey God and everything changes. When they disobey God, Adam and Eve know that they did something wrong and they don't want to be in God's presence anymore, so they hide. Of course, this first game of hide-and-seek doesn't go in their favor. God knows where they are. All of a sudden, they find themselves face-to-face with a holy and perfect God, and they realize for the very first time that they're naked. They're vulnerable and exposed. They recognize he's so good and we're so not. There's been a shift in their relationship, and the thought of God's presence with them is And this is kind of the trajectory for a while. Look at all the rules and regulations in the Old Testament law about who can come into God's presence and how to come into God's presence. I would spend the next 26 hours showing you this through the book of Leviticus, but Norton already did that in 2020. When people come humbly into God's presence, God calms their fears and meets with them. But when people try to come into God's presence flippantly or disrespectfully, sometimes the consequences are serious, even fatal. This is the almighty God we're talking about, the one true ruler of the universe, the all-powerful creator of everything we see. He is not to be messed with. People in the Bible don't or shouldn't enter God's presence lightly. Being in God's presence is scary. But Jesus comes and washes away our sins. And for those of us who trust in him as our savior and follow him as our king, we can enter God's presence without fear. The author of Hebrews says that because we're followers of Jesus, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because of Jesus, our relationship with God is fundamentally different than how it used to be. John, one of Jesus' best friends, describes it this way. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We come into God's presence humbly yet boldly as his children. God is on the throne, but we don't come into his presence as servants approaching their king, but as sons and daughters of the king approaching their dad. The book of Psalms opens with a picture of a person who is present to God. Here's how it describes this kind of person. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's being present to God, spending time in his word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, or whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Or another psalm says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we sang this earlier, Psalm 84 says, Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere. According to these psalms, being with God refreshes us. We aren't scared. God is with us, and his presence brings comfort. His presence is marked by goodness and love. We want to be with God every day, all the days of our lives. Our deepest longing is to dwell in God's presence forever. Jesus says it this way, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus wants his followers to remain in him, to be with him, to do nothing separate from him. He says we can't do anything apart from him, anything fruitful or productive anyway. We need to be connected to him, to his presence. Jesus says in another place, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or in the message, Eugene Peterson writes that same passage this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of us are tired, worn out, burned out, maybe even on religion? It's still the first month of the year, and maybe you started out the gate with great ambitions of all the things you wanted to change and the ways you wanted this year to be different, the ways you wanted to be different this year. And I bet most of us are already feeling disillusioned, disappointed in some way, lacking the energy and vitality we need to make the changes that we want. A month in, and probably all of us have slipped back into some old patterns or habits or ways of being We wanted to see change, but it's hard. There are a million reasons why that's the case. So many excuses we could make. At the end of the day, it's not easy to go against the grain. So when it comes to the value of presence, I hope you'll see these words of Jesus are no guilt trip. They're an invitation. An invitation from someone who gets it. From someone who knows what it's like to be tired. From someone who knows how difficult it is to go against the grain. When Jesus invites you and me into his presence, he invites us into rest, peace, grace. He says we'll learn to live freely and lightly. Don't we all want more of that? To feel like life is not a burden, one responsibility after another, one challenge after another, always one more thing to think about or one more thing to do. Don't we want life to feel light and fun? Don't we want to actually enjoy the precious days we've been given? According to Jesus, the key to our lives feeling like this is to come to him, to find rest in his presence. And let's not forget what we said in Advent when we look at the end of the story of where this world is headed. Here's what we see. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
The key to a good life now is being in God's presence, finding rest and comfort in his arms, finding him to be our greatest friend and confidant, our greatest place of belonging, our greatest giver of grace and love. And this is the end of the story as well. It's the hope that we as followers of Jesus are looking forward to, that this light and free life Jesus offers is not something just to be experienced now in part, but that someday this will be all we experience forever. We'll be like Adam and Eve before they messed things up, walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day, not a care in the world. That's the picture we get of being in God's presence. No longer do we have to be scared to come into God's presence? When I read these passages, these beautiful pictures, the authors of scripture paint for us the best word I can use to describe being in God's presence as followers of Jesus, as children of the King, is not scary, but sweet. I have known sweet times in God's presence. When I think about being in God's presence, there are a couple seasons of my life that come to mind instantly. One is when I was in college, I went to Biola University in Southern California. It's on the border of LA and Orange County, only about a 35-minute drive from the beach. Much longer if you're stuck in LA traffic and over an hour to get to a really good beach, but for a girl who loves the beach, this was not far at all. One of my best friends in college was a local, so she showed me all the coolest, most hidden spots. I have a picture of my favorite spot. This is a beach called Treasure Island. Not too shabby, right? It's just south of Laguna. It sits behind a big resort hotel. So it's mostly only hotel guests and locals who seem to know about it, but it's open to anyone. There are paths where you can walk on top of the cliffs and benches you can sit on. That's how this picture was taken, just overlooking the water. And then there are steps down to the sand, and there are a couple little coves where you can find a place to be. You have to be careful at high tide because the waves will come up and wash all your stuff away. During college, I would go to Treasure Island as often as I could. It was my place to get away and be with God. And I go back any chance I get. This past summer while I was on sabbatical, my husband and kids and I, we spent a lot of time there. It's such a special place to me. It's stunningly beautiful with the sparkling water and the soft sand, palm trees and flowers everywhere you look. It doesn't matter what time of year. Just talking about it, I can almost feel the warm breeze and smell the salty air and hear the waves crashing on the shore. It really is just a little slice of paradise. But mostly this place is special because when I was in college, this was one of my spots, one of my places to go and to know that God was going to meet me there. For some reason, it was just so easy to sense his presence when I was at Treasure Island, to open his word and almost instantly hear his voice. It's easy to think of these times in this place and to know that God's presence is sweet. I wonder if you've experienced something like this. Maybe you have a spot that stands out to you, a place or a time in your life where it was easy to experience the sweetness of God's presence and to hear his voice. Of course, I also know that being in God's presence doesn't always feel sweet. I've known some not so sweet times in God's presence. Some of you know that my brother passed away in 2019. He had a mild cold, a fever for a couple of days. He went to bed one night and didn't wake up in the morning. The autopsy said that his lungs had hemorrhaged in his sleep. We still don't really know why this happened. 
It was in September, just a few months before the world shut down, so sometimes we wonder if this was some crazy early form of COVID. We might never know. It was extremely sudden. We had no warning at all. He had been a perfectly healthy 32-year-old with a wife and two young kids, ages two and four. You might think that in the days, weeks, months following this loss, I would have experienced the sweetness of God's presence, his comfort. But honestly, most of what I felt was just pain and grief and doubt. This hasn't fully gone away. My heart is mending, but it's not totally healed. So this past summer, while I was on sabbatical, I took my family back to this place that I love. We spent two months in Southern California, and I so longed for reconnecting with God in this place that had been so easy to connect with him before. I longed for the sweetness of his presence, and I experienced that at times. But other times, I ended up just feeling mad. I grieved my brother a lot when it first happened, but as time has gone on, I just don't think about that loss as much anymore. There will be waves of grief, but it isn't constant, so it can be easy to forget that it's still there. I didn't expect my time with God on sabbatical to bring back to the surface so much of the grief and the pain, but it did. I thought my time with God at these beautiful beaches that I love would be marked by sweetness, but sometimes time with him was just full of unresolved anger, bitterness, and pain. Just in the last couple months have I started to feel like more often than not, time with God feels sweet again. Not always, but increasingly. But it's taken over two years to even get to this place, and sometimes the pain still feels fresh, and I know that my grieving and even my anger are not done. I wonder if maybe you've felt wounded or angry in God's presence before. Maybe you feel that way right now. I wonder if you've tried to spend time with God and it hasn't felt sweet. Maybe it's felt really hard. Maybe it's been full of doubts or questions or fears. I want to encourage you that that's okay. We can still pursue as a community being in God's presence. You may find that being in God's presence is the best place where you can be honest with him. You may find it's the best place where you can be honest with yourself. Our experience of God's presence will change in different seasons and through different life circumstances. We don't need to be scared to come into God's presence anymore, but being in God's presence is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. There may be times where you're present with God and maybe you don't experience that rest or comfort or peace that you thought you might. But my hope and my prayer is that more often than not, you'll be able to describe your times in God's presence as sweet, the way it should be, the way it was in the beginning before things got messed up, walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day, the way it will be in the end, living in the sweetness of God's presence forever. My prayer is that you'll get a taste of that sweetness here and now, glimpses of what it will be like to be in the presence of God forever, where there won't be any more death or tears or suffering or pain. I think this is something we all want this sweetness, this connection with God. So I have a question for you. What makes living out the value of presence so hard? If you're like me, I'm guessing that the value of presence sounds really great, and we may even feel our longing for it at times. 
I know I started out 2022 saying, if there's one thing I want more of this year, it's God's presence. And yet, I know that we can go days, maybe weeks or months without really feeling like God is fully present, or maybe more likely without feeling like we're fully present to him. There could be lots of reasons for this, but there are two that I think are probably the biggest roadblocks for most of us in embracing and living out this value of presence. They're right there in our description. It says, but busyness and distractions often fill our lives. Isn't this why we aren't present to God? God feels absent, not because he isn't there, but because we are being present to other things, not to him. I want to offer some practical tips today to help us answer the question, what does it look like to be present with God? If we remember that Jesus extends to us an invitation to come and be with him, here's what I imagine that invitation is like flushed out. I picture it like the invitation to a kid's birthday party that has the who, what, where, when, and why. The first question is who? Who is invited when you're wanting to be present with God? And the answer is simple. It's just you and God. Being present with God starts with the commitment to get away so that it's just you and God there together. It's best to find some place where you can be alone and won't be distracted by others. The next question is what? What do you actually do during this time? Well, the goal of the time is to be with God, to hang out with him, to talk with him and listen for his voice. But there are endless activities you might find help you connect with God. You can read your Bible or another book that will spark some good thought and conversation with him. You can journal. I write a lot slower than I think, so I find this practice helps me to slow down and clarify and focus my thoughts and feelings and be able to process life with God in a meaningful way. You might find it's helpful to do something active with your hands or with your body. You can take a walk and pray. Maybe you like to paint or garden, and that gives you some quiet space for talking to God and listening for him. I would encourage you, whatever you're doing, to put your phone away or anything else that will distract you from connecting with God and giving him your full attention. If your mind tends to wander to a million little things like mine does, it might help to keep a piece of paper and a pen nearby so that you can make a running list of the things that pop into your brain. Then instead of dwelling on them in the moment, you'll be able to set them aside and come back to them later. If I can jot down a thought right away, then I know I won't forget it, but I don't have to focus on it right then and can get back to being present. There's nothing in particular you have to talk to God about during this time, but if we look back at our description of presence one last time, it says this, God is at work in every place, relationship, and circumstance we find ourselves in. But busyness and distractions often fill our lives. We partner best with God when we are fully present to the people and opportunities around us and the voice of the Spirit leading us. So in your time with God, if you aren't sure where to start, I think a good place to start is just to think about your life. God is really good about bringing things to our minds and our hearts that he wants us to consider with him. We tell God about the things happening in our lives. He knows it already, but he likes to hear from us our thoughts and feelings. And then we listen for what he might want to speak into the circumstances, relationships, and opportunities we find ourselves in. Sometimes he might say something profound. Sometimes he might whisper something small. Sometimes he might say nothing at all and it'll just be good to be together. Where? Where do I go to be present with God? You can be inside or outside. It really doesn't matter. Try to find a spot or a few spots that are your go-tos for connecting with God. Honestly, this has been hard for me since moving to Denver over eight years ago. 
I found a few places that feel meaningful, but no spot has made it as easy for me to connect with God as when I was able to get away to a beach. I know we have the Cherry Creek and Chatfield Reservoirs, but those ain't no treasure island, so I'm still figuring out what it's like to be landlocked and connect with God. But even if it isn't perfect, it's worth the effort to find a place or a couple places where at the very least you'll be less distracted, and at best where you'll find a sense of God's presence as easy to come by. For some of you, this may be a spot in the mountains or Maybe it's just a particular bench at a nearby park or even a cozy corner of your own home. When? Finding a place has been a challenge for me, but making the time is the biggest barrier of all. I'm guessing this may be true for you as well. One thing I've tried to do to help combat this is to literally schedule in my calendar time to go and be with God. If you look through the calendar on my phone, you'll see it's there. My suggestion would be to aim for a short block of time to be with God every day if possible. This might just look like finding a spot in your home and carving out a few minutes in your day that's overall fairly convenient for you to be present with God. This doesn't require a ton of time or energy. It can become part of your regular routine, just like the way you make time for brushing your teeth or taking a shower. Then I'd suggest aiming for a little longer block of time to be with God every week if you can, and and then an even longer block of time at least once a month. And please, if you have the desire and capacity to do more than this, then by all means, do it. The more time with God, the better. But I think this is a good place to start if you struggle with making the time to live out this value like I do. This summer, Phil and I each scheduled a three to four hour block of time once a week where we would leave the other one with the kids and go off someplace to be with God. And it was a life-giving rhythm for us, but it was a sabbatical rhythm. Now that we're back in the real world, we want that same thing, extended periods of time to go and be present with God, but we've lessened the frequency to better fit within our normal lives. So now our goal is to schedule a one-hour block of time each week and then that three to four-hour block of time once a month to be with God. We already have Saturdays carved out as our family's Sabbath, so for us it makes sense that this is the day where we know that we'll get our time with God. And we literally schedule it out. Our weekly time with God is scheduled in the morning. The plan is for my time with God to be from 7 to 8 when we first wake up, then to have breakfast as a family before Phil gets his time from 9 to 10. For our bigger three to four hour blocks of time, Phil's is usually the first Saturday of the month and mine's the third. And on that day, we get the bigger block that replaces our weekly slot. These aren't recurring events in our calendars. They just show up every month. So we sit down on the first of each month and we make sure those dates will work. We can switch things around if we need to, but we know that we're going to get our time. Now, of course, it doesn't always happen this neatly in my home or my family. These are our goals and this is our system to help us with it. But sticking to these daily, weekly and monthly rhythms of time with God is still a challenge. So many other things come up that vie for our attention. And it's really hard to resist those and say no to other things in order to say yes to what we know is better, to what we say we value. But when we do stick to the plan, when we do make the time and space to go and be with God, we find that it's a sweet, replenishing time. It's a time when the kids aren't crawling all over us and we aren't having to change diapers or patiently navigate meltdowns or do the dishes or complete any of the other tasks or responsibilities that fill so much of our days and suck so much of our energy. It's a time where we can go and breathe and rest and think and be in God's presence. We need this time. I don't know what your life circumstances are, what's making you busy or distracted, but 
my guess is that you need time like this with God too. So when? We make the time. We schedule it in first and other things that come up around it because this is one of our core values. It's one of our most deeply felt longings and convictions. It's something we know we need, like food or sleep. We make time for the things that we value. Here's the last question. Why? Why do we need carved out space and time to intentionally go and be present with God? Maybe you've been listening and your objection is, wait, isn't God always with us anyway? So why do we need to pursue being present with him in this kind of structured way? Good question. I'm glad you asked. We know that God is everywhere and always with us. As followers of Jesus, he's even placed his Holy Spirit inside of us, so God is closer to us than our own breath. So it shouldn't be of any surprise that even when we aren't being super intentional about it, we might sense God's presence at other times, and that's great. God is so gracious to meet us in this way, even when we aren't trying or don't expect him to show up. Sometimes in the middle of the chaos, we'll be aware of God's presence. Or in the middle of the mundane, when you're cooking dinner or sending an email or mowing your lawn or doing other things. God is always present with you, and it's so awesome if you can be aware of that as you're driving down the road or walking into a meeting or having coffee with a friend. I'm not saying that you can't be present to God or that he can't be present to you in the midst of everyday life. That's certainly one aspect of presence, being able to recognize that God is with us all the time, everywhere. Just like another aspect of presence is gathering together on Sundays to pursue being with God alongside a community of his people. But there's something special about getting away to be with God, just with God, not with anyone else around not with any other responsibilities hanging on you, not with any other expectations you have to meet. It's like the difference between connecting with a spouse or roommate or friend in the craziness of daily life, maybe having a quick conversation at breakfast or shooting them a text throughout the day or hanging out with them in a big crowd like going to a movie or a concert together versus spending quality time with them, going on a date night or a girl's trip or a getaway. The quick little check-ins, the day-to-day stuff, and the big group events are good, but if that's all your relationship is, it will suffer. You need quality time to spend with the people who are important to you, and you need quality time to spend with the God who is important to you. We all need carved out, intentional time with God that isn't full of busyness or distractions. Remember, Jesus himself invites us into this. He says, come to me, remain in me, apart from me, you can do nothing. God is with you all the time, but when we get away to be in his presence just with him, I think that's when we most often experience the sweetness, the comfort, the rest, the peace, the light and free life that we all so deeply crave. Presence with God is something that we need, and it's something we have to fight for. Busyness and distraction are always going to be temptations when it comes to presence. I'm so thankful to have a community of people who are willing to support and encourage me to contend for this value. I'm thankful to have people by my side so that we can go against the grain together. And I hope that you'll join us in this pursuit of cultivating more awareness of God's presence in our lives. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you are present with us. We take it for granted, God, but we aren't scared to come and meet with you. We know that you're there with your arms wide open. 
God, sometimes it still feels hard to be in your presence. Sometimes we don't feel the sweetness that we want, but we know that someday that won't be the case. Someday things will be the way they should be. And we just pray for more glimpses of that now, that when we come to you, you'll meet with us and that we will experience little pieces of the sweetness, the peace, the rest, the comfort, the light and free life that you offer. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.